Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio. You are with Lyle and... Mon. Good morning, Lyle. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Yeah? The sun is shining, the tank is clean. The tank is... <laughs> <laughs> what are you grateful for this morning, comes Lyle? From, where does that come from? I can't even remember where that comes from. Some sort of Finding Nemo, I think. Okay. That's uh, right. All right. So I am grateful for... What, okay. What am I grateful for this morning? I'm grateful for dead trees. Dead trees? Yes. I am grateful for <laughs> dead trees. What on earth, Lyle? <laughs> yeah, because... For firstly, my wife makes amazing photographs of dead trees. That's true. She does. And if you don't believe me, jump on her Instagram account, which is... is swell underscore shell. Yes. You're welcome. And you will see lots of photos there of amazing dead trees. And uh, the other thing I love about dead trees is they make great firewood and they are keeping me warm oh. right now. I'm jealous. It is actually really cold today, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really frosty. I actually um I actually went to bed last night with a beanie on and a scarf. The crazy thing is that um we had our first morning in single digits the other day and then about two mornings later it was only three point five degrees. Ew. And now all of the Tasmanians and Victorians are laughing at us like, What is wrong with you people? A uh, bunch of snowflakes we are up here. Yeah, I know, right. I've only been here a few months and I've already just gotten so soft about the weather. Anyway, coming up in today's show. Yeah, we have a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, we have a wonderful uh, interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our Encounter with God about section. ICC, International Children's Care, yeah. Yeah, we have our Encounter with God, which is, you know, we, we talk about the Sabbath. And, and, what, and what did you talk about on today's show? Well, this is the thing where I know what I talked about on today's show because... You already did it. I already did it. Yeah. This is a delayed broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. You are it listening indeed. to the delayed broadcast. Just when you thought, oh, I've got the live show, you've got the delayed show. But you know what? Don't despair. You can actually switch over to the live show very easily. All you need to do is one of two things. You can either jump on faithfm.com.au, that's our website, and just press play on the live stream. Or what else can they do, Lyle? Uh, tune in app. Download it to your mobile device. Find Faith FM Australia and put it in your favourites. And then just play, the press play on that. And you can join in our live show, which is so much more wonderful because you can you can ask the question of the day and have it answered live on the show. You can win the prize of the quiz. You can get the free giveaway at the end of the show. It's such a wonderful thing to, do, to be on the live show. Stay tuned. I'm going to be talking about the greatest archaeological discovery of the last decade that was made on this day, and along with more great music coming up right after this. Like sweet melody 
with my hand Send a convoy of angels Dear Jesus, I pray Let me join that sweet music Come take me What Heavenly Music here on Faith FM and Mon has a quiz question for you this morning. Something that you can call in on. You know what our number is, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 if you know the answer and let us know uh, so that we can send you an amazing prize. Yes, so 1-800-FAITH-FM, if you can hear the answer to this question, this is a what number am I? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the chapter in the book of Daniel that tells about Daniel <coughs> in the lion's den. <laughs> Do you know it? You're seriously going to ask me that question? <laughs> I guess Daniel's like your favorite book along with Revelation. <laughs> Daniel Revelation has been know those books off by heart. Not quite, but uh, I know some of the chapters off by heart. Okay, so if you know the chapter in the book of Daniel that tells the story of Daniel in the lion's den, give us a call with the correct answer and we will send you the prize, which today is a Melissa Otto CD album. Oh, fantastic. We've been having a bit of Melissa Otto lately and mm. enjoying it very, very much. Yeah, so 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number to call. So what's our story <laughs> for the day, Mon? Oh, Lyle, I have so many good stories. There's so much good news. I have like a whole bunch of tabs open on my on my laptop in front of me. Well, that's just good. Our week is I starting know. with good news. In I fact, we have a whole week ahead of us. What are you planning for this week? What do you mean, what am I planning for? Yeah, what are you planning for? What, what, you've got a whole week ahead of you. What do you want to accomplish by the end of the week? I would love to have found a job. Okay. <laughs> yeah, All right, so just putting it out there, anyone in the Newcastle region that is looking for a great employee uh, who can start work immediately after the breakfast show? Yeah, so starting around 10 a.m. because I can't start at 9 because <laughs> we're still just finishing off the So a second day. job, a second job. Yeah, yeah, so this is only three hours a day. <clears throat> what are you hoping to accomplish? I am hoping to cut down lots of dead trees. More than you already have. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just about out of firewood. Actually, it's so funny because speaking of cutting down trees, one of my good news stories feeds right into that. Okay. So the New South Wales government has... So this is not usual for you. What? Being our resident greenie, cutting down trees being a good news story. Well, no, it's not really, is it? <laughs> well, kind of. Well, get this right. So the New South Wales government has just announced that they're going to make a koala reserve. 
Oh, nice. I know. Isn't that wonderful? But do you know, I didn't realize this, but koalas are like so, their population is dwindling. Like there's only about 36,000 left, 36, left in our state and they're yeah. not even 100% sure about that. That's right. They're dying out, which is really sad because mm-hmm. they're so cute. And that's why they get lots of money spent on them and lots of protection while all of the non-cute animals yeah, that's true. are rapidly going extinct and nobody cares. Yeah, but do you know what? This will help those animals as well because it's going to be a massive, uh, it's about 25,000 thousand hectares of mm-hmm. state forest. It's in the mid-north coast. It's going to become a koala habitat. And there's also going to be a new koala hospital opening at Port Stephens to care for the um, the sick and injured koalas. But yeah, 45 million bucks. Are they going to do anything to curb the number of feral cats and feral Wouldn't foxes that, that would absolutely do. within that reserve so that they don't get eaten? They should like shave off 5 million of that 45 million and wild dogs. put that to people who can like... Clean out the cat, the wild cat, um, feral cats and wild dogs. Absolutely, that would do a much. And I think they should uh, make stricter laws about keeping cats inside. Cats should have never been cats inside, outside. and uh, <coughs> and, and also cats that are um, neutered. Yeah, do you know so what? This breed might feral cats. this might sound very controversial, but if you if you want to, um, you know, have a go. <laughs> Yeah, give us a call. Absolutely, faith of him. Happy but, to discuss this. Subject. But bring bring your big guns because La and I are very passionate about where cats belong in society, and it's inside the house. <laughs> yes, and foxes do not belong anywhere in Australia. Yeah, absolutely, they need to be eradicated. Um, but you know, do you know what? Let's keep speaking about this because you're a Tasmanian, right? Mm. Did you know no foxes in Tasmania? Yes, that's good. They, can they swim? Can foxes swim? Yes, but they can't swim the whole that far. It's a long way to swim to Tasmania. <laughs> Maybe they can like build a canoe out of some tree. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, okay, are you aware that they're um, planning on building a cable car up the summit of Mount Wellington? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Uh, me too. Um, I mean, you've got this awesome mountain. It's got uh-huh. massive, you know, TV and radio antennas on top of it. Mm-hmm. So you've already got technology sitting on the mountain. Mm-hmm. You've got a state that is full of wilderness, untouched mountains. Mm-hmm. Use your one mountain that already has technology on it as a, a t- tourist industry so that people who are disabled mm-hmm. can at least enjoy one of the mountains in Tasmania yep. because they can't enjoy any of the other mountains. And I just don't think it's going to have that much of an effect on the environment because, you know, they, they're planning this They're planning this uh, cable car um, in in. Uh, in on Mount Wellington in Hobart, but over the weekend, that thousands of people uh, went total to selfishness by people who are fit and healthy, well enough to go and hike. Mm, yeah, so, so and, and want to lock away those who are too young, too old, or too disabled to see the beauty of Tasmania. So they had a rally, um, basically <clears throat> protesting against the cable car. And I'm just, I'm a little bit sad. Just, probably just offended a whole bunch of people in Tasmania. But, <laughs> but hey, give us a call. We'll chat about <laughs> That's it. That's my opinion. I'm putting it out there. Give us a <laughs> yeah. call. I, you know, Share your opinion. I just, I can see the damage that, you know, like a nuclear plant or an oil rig can, can do. But a cable car... Like, yeah. come on, cable yeah. car, like, I just don't see something, like, once you've built it, Well, the argument is that fun. it's going to look ugly on the face of the mountain, I, and I, I get that to no. a certain extent, but the mountain already has massive antennas, you know, standing on top of I don't think they look them. ugly, I think they look adorable, I love the little, 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 you know, the little white dots of cable cars going up a mountain, I, I think they're so exciting, well, you know, and when, when I think of tourism, this would have to be like one of the least invasive tourisms, um, tourist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. things that we could do, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I put, like... When I think about all the travels that I've done, 
like some of my highlights have always been in cable cars. I love mm-hmm. cable cars. Yep. Yeah. So Absolutely. I, I know you keep calling me a greenie, but I guess yeah, I'm you're, you're just like not a greenie today. What have you? What, what happened to Monica? What have you done with Monica? Where is she? Ah, <laughs> uh, but let me tell you some more good news. There's just so much of it. So New Zealand, bless our brothers over there. I love New Zealand. They have actually vowed to get every single homeless citizen into warm housing before winter hits in four weeks. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's super impressive. Yeah. So um, it's a $100 million emergency housing package. They've just launched it on Friday. And, um, and they're pulling out all the stops to make sure they're going to support people um, who you know, urgently need housing because you know, New Zealand is so cold. So much mm-hmm. colder than we are. Um, but the government is just really making sure that everyone is uh, helped to find warm, dry housing. So it's about 40,000 homeless people. And um, they've got four weeks. So that's about 10,000 people per week um, to get these people into proper shelters, uh, proper facilities. So I see you're flicking through your Bible. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just thinking, well, it, I mean, and I've read this before and I'll read it again. Um, then, the, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the Kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. Uh, Continues on here. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you or thirsty and gave you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and took you in or naked and clothed you? Or when did we see you sick and in prison and came unto you? And the king will answer, truly I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. I like this story. It actually relates to a story that I'm going to talk about briefly. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> so there's a story that's in the – this is this an interesting thing. There's a story that's in the news right now mm-hmm. um, about women um, as CEOs, and uh, there's a lot of you know debate that it should be a 50-50 split. And so there's a lot of companies that are pushing women up onto boards and, and positions of um, influence and power because of this. You know, they look very bad if they don't. Mm. But what is not being addressed is that while men dominate um, CEO positions and board positions, they also dominate homelessness. Oh. And what you have is that men inhabit the two extreme ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. and women inhabit the centre. Mm-hmm. Which relates to the male um, attribute of risk. Okay. So men, yeah. men, men, men live high risk, high reward, which mm-hmm. my wife constantly complains about. She's like, "Oh, you always take a she'll be right attitude." It's the uh, the high risk, high reward, and that high risk, high reward attitude that men have is going to place them at either end of the extreme. Mm-hmm. So they take that high risk, and some of them get the high reward and become a CEO. Um, others get the uh, the opposite end of that and become homeless. That's very And so men dominate both ends. Wow. And women prefer safer, yeah. secure environments. And all of the people in our world today are, defend- are descended from half of the men who have ever lived. Wow. Because men die younger because of high risk, high reward. And, you know, it's men who go to war and all mm-hmm. of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of the people in our world today are descended from half of the men who have ever lived. That is so interesting. I do have something maybe a little bit controversial to say about that, but I'm going to say it after our next song break. Um, and okay, so you want to hear some controversy? It's coming right up. <laughs> get your phones out. Get ready to yell at me. We've been very controversial this morning, haven't we? <laughs> 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number if you want to yell at me. Um, but we're not going to have a, we're going to have a song now. This is Francesca Battistel, If We're Honest, and I'm certainly going to be honest next.
to Francesca Batticelli, if we're honest here on Faith FM. And Mon, you're having a very honest morning this morning. Mm. You've, go, you've gone from uh, um, a, a two, three months of um, the left side of things to, <laughs> to, the, to the right all of a sudden. Look, I'm all for protecting the environment and recycling and Absolutely. all that stuff. Absolutely. But I just don't see any harm in a cable car being built on the side of a mountain. That already has stuff on it. I know. And and to some extent, I sometimes wonder if... Not like it's a wilderness mountain. It's got covered with houses and stuff all around the base of it. Oh, really? Well, in that case, it's even more reason. This is Mount Wellington in, in Hobart. Oh, I got the one like oh, in Hobart. Yeah, yeah okay, the one right in yeah, Hobart. Yeah, no, that could, you can't that, damage that mountain. It's made out of rock. For sure. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? I, I think sometimes that we uh, protect things to the extent that they become useless. Like, you know, you can't go there anymore. You can't touch. You can't do anything. And it's like, well... It's almost like it doesn't exist, really. No, nature is a beautiful thing, and mm. God created nature, and He created it to be appreciated, mm-hmm. and He created it to be appreciated um, and enjoyed by more than just those who are fit and healthy enough to hike their way in and see it. So there needs to be a, there needs to be a middle ground. There needs to be a middle mm-hmm. ground, and you know God provides for everyone, and mm-hmm. we need to provide for everyone as well. That's yep. that's um, you know I think that's the the Christian approach to something like this. Yeah. Now the controversial thing that I was going to that's 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 fine if you've got a different opinion. Just yeah, just give us a call. Just give us a call and tell us about it. Um, so you were just saying uh, about the the women CEO thing and how um, yeah. yeah, what disturbs me about it is we we work hard to get women into uh, positions of power, and I have no problem with that, so long as we balance that out by working hard to deal with homelessness amongst men. So I do have a problem with that. Um, you know how they're trying to do this whole like equality thing. They should be like what was it you said like fifty percent. Of should be 50-50 yeah. women, men, see. I don't think it should be 50-50. I, I didn't say that. I said that's what, okay, that's okay, that's what, what they're aiming for. I don't think it should be 50-50. I don't think we should pick our CEOs based on their gender. We should pick our CEOs based on the performance that they've done, on how hard they've worked, on their skills. You know, on Can you imagine like someone's just slogged their guts out, worked their whole life, just done an excellent job, and instead of becoming CEO, it goes to someone else who is, you know, Less deserving simply because they're of a different gender. I don't think that's fair. No, that's 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 not that's not right either. Yeah, I, don't, I think it's. I think we're being so careful to be politically correct when it comes to gender, and I also think this, uh, you know, also is a is a race issue because I know in America they often try to like balance it out. I I think opportunities should be created, but people should not be rewarded simply because they're of whatever gender or whatever race. If you can, they need to be given opportunities from a young age to be able to mm-hmm. create that path mm-hmm. and work to that point. But once you get there, you know it should still be. And the we same. definitely should be trying to create those opportunities for young people Absolutely. that don't necessarily have those opportunities. That's what. Yeah. That's really where it starts. Is education is uh, is providing those educational opportunities so that young people can excel. Yeah, in life I think and, we need and, and, and achieve whatever they want to achieve. So that they come from the most disadvantaged background to becoming, you know, prime minister of the country. Instead of just making people CEOs because of whatever gender they are, I think we need to teach people to be CEOs, mm-hmm. and then. Based on completely on their merit of their work, that's how we should decide whether or not they become a CEO. There you go. So that's my opinion there. Mon's, Mon's putting it out there, and uh, 
Yep. I'm not into this 50-50 like nonsense whatsoever. There shouldn't be some regulated number. It should be based on I think on that's just merit. common sense. I think like the vast yeah. majority of Australians get that. It's just the uh, the small vocal minority of the ones that we don't ever hear about. Yeah, we're trying to be so PC. I think we're going to mess it up, to be honest. But anyway. Cool. That's okay, in, on this day in 2007. That wasn't very long ago, was it? A no. major discovery was made. Guess what was discovered? 2007. That was discovered after a 35-year search. One man searched for this thing for 35 years and he discovered it in 2007. You, you, after searching for something for 35 years, you'd be uh, pretty satisfied to find something, wouldn't you? Was it the origin of the Nile? No. Okay. I give up. I was just watching a documentary about the Nile, so that's why I'm all Nile. <laughs> uh, yes, um, the origin of the Nile was actually discovered by... Um, Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that theory and it's a lie. <laughs> it was the tomb of Herod the Great. Oh, are you serious? Yes, absolutely. Did they find his slimy wife as well? No, he no, killed his got- wife. Oh, this is Herod the Great, not the not, oh, not uh, the Herod the Bible one. Yeah, no, it is one of the Bible ones. Oh, it's one of in the, the Bible. Bible. There are four different Herods, and they're all called Herod just to confuse you. <laughs> okay. So you just everyone just assumes like, oh, it's the same Herod, but uh-huh. um, this one um, was the first one. So this is the Herod that was alive when Jesus was born. Oh, okay. So he was the most powerful of all the Herods. Thus, he was called um, Herod the Great. Mm-hmm. And um, he was the one who, after Jesus was born, well, when, when before, yeah, when Jesus was born, the the Magi, of course, um, Persian scholars came to uh, Jerusalem and were looking for the tomb of Jesus. So not the what am I saying? The birthplace of Jesus, where mm-hmm. Jesus was. They wanted to go mm-hmm. and worship Jesus, and so. Um, Having having arrived in Jerusalem, they're talking to Herod about it, and of course Herod freaks out that there is somebody who is plotting against him because mm-hmm. the Jews just hated him uh, because he wasn't really a Jew; he was a he was an Edomite, and they they were really just you know horrified that uh, this particular individual was ruling over them, mm-hmm. and so he was always paranoid to the max. And so he's like, oh, there's a rival somewhere. So he he asks the priest, you know, where's this Messiah going to be born? And he's like, well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So he goes to Bethlehem and he commands the uh, death of every single male child in Bethlehem, two oh. years old and younger. What a lunatic. That's just absolutely horrific. Yeah, yeah, but you've got to understand the kind of person he was. This is the kind of person who killed his own wife mm-hmm. and then executed two of his own sons. Oh. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was full on. This was a guy who was in it when he was on his deathbed. He invited hundreds of Jewish, important Jewish men to Jericho where he was dying and then secretly gave orders that when he died they were all to be executed because he was worried that after he died there would be great celebration and no mourning and so he wanted there to be lots of mourning so he killed all all of these uh, um, Jewish people so that um, there would actually be mourning that took place when he died he sounds like an absolute despot oh this guy was a sicko a oh. massive, massive And sicko. they found his tomb and were happy about well, it? Well, uh, Josephus described where it was. Mm-hmm. And so Ehud Netzer um, from the Hebrew University um, studied the writings of Josephus and focused his search um, around a, a fortress called the Herodium. Mm-hmm. And he searched there for 35 years until he fi- found the tomb of Herod. And when he found the sarcophagus or the, the coffin of Herod, mm-hmm. guess what he found inside? A skeleton? Nope. Mice? No. 
Some treasure? No. I give up. Nothing. It'd be oh, smashed. Nothing. Oh, Tomb Raiders. Yeah, they, uh, they assumed that uh, the Jews broke in there and smashed it and probably took the body out and spread it to the four winds of heaven. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because they just absolutely hated the guy. But this was the guy who built the greatest of all the Jewish temples. He did? Yes. He, so he hates the Jews, but he built And it was the temple. greatest of all the temples for two reasons. How come? Physically, it was the greatest temple. And in fact, it was one of the greatest temples of the ancient world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was massive. It was, you know, three times. You, you go to Jerusalem and, 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 and if you, as a listener, have ever been to Jerusalem, you will know what I'm talking about. You stand on the Mount of Olives. You look out across uh, the Temple Mountain where... There's now the Dome of the Rock. That's a, a, an Islamic shrine there, mm-hmm. um, which is you know the third most sacred place to Islam in the world because apparently this is where uh, Muhammad was supposed to have ascended to heaven from, and and it just dominates the city of Jerusalem. This the Dome of the Rock is just massive and it's this golden dome, and then you see a model of Herod's Temple beside the Dome of the Rock, <laughs> and it is three times higher and bigger than the Dome of the Rock. Really? Yes. And and you're looking at a modern Jerusalem with modern buildings in it. Mm-hmm. You know, ancient Jerusalem, the buildings would have been smaller um, on average. And this temple just was completely out of all proportion of anything else, you know, anywhere between there and Egypt. Wow. It was just massive and this is and this is what Herod built because you know he was once again freaked out that the Jews hated him so he's like well I'll build them a temple. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing that made it the greatest of the Jewish temples. Mm-hmm. So the first one was the one that Moses built, the second one was built by Zerub- by Solomon, the third one by Zerubbabel, the fourth one by Herod, and the fifth one is the great original in heaven. But you know what else made it the uh, greatest of the temples? What? The second thing? What? This was the temple where Jesus Christ himself worshipped. And this is why the Bible says that this temple would be the greatest temple. Not because of its size, but because it would be blessed by the presence of the Messiah, by Jesus Christ himself. You can go there today and you can walk up the steps that Jesus walked up. Oh, no wonder everyone's so excited about that. Well, I hope we can do that one day, Lyle. We're going to have a song. This is Chelsea Moon and and her band, When I Survey.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88, depending on where you are. And I have two very special guests with me right here in the studio, Cherie and Jane. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Lyle. Yeah, it's great to have you on the program. Now, I bumped into you two ladies um, where you were running a booth. Uh, where you were promoting a project working overseas with children, ICC. What does ICC stand for? Who should I, who should I ask? <laughs> who should I look at here? Jane. ICC Australia. So mm-hmm. it's International Children's Care Australia. Okay, so what does International Children's Care Australia do? Oh, our focus is empowering and taking care of destitute children mm-hmm. and also with women and families. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. And um, and so what, what role do you play with uh, ICC Australia? I'm the Partnerships Director. Okay. And so I look at uh, engaging or relationships with stakeholders in two separate areas. So mm-hmm. that's, also, that's to do with sustainable livelihoods in terms of one of our categories of projects. Yeah. And the second one is child development and education. Oh, very cool. And Cherie, what do you do with ICC? Um, I'm blessed to be actually on the ground in yep. Cambodia. Mm-hmm. So I actually so, so, just, so, so Jane, you're not in you're not overseas, you're based here, is that right? In Hornsby, our office is okay. based. Yeah. So you're in Hornsby and you're in Cambodia. Yeah, so I'm actually a program manager for our projects in Cambodia. Okay, so you're right there on the coalface of yeah. uh, everything that's happening then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What now what is life in Cambodia? How how what is what, what what's the, how many uh, how much of your year do you spend living in Cambodia? I would say maybe four months mm-hmm. of my year mm-hmm. is spent living in Cambodia, um, off and on, so I come and I go. Yep. Um, in the past, our whole family has lived in Cambodia. and So spent your whole family, how many in your family? How big is um, your family? Five. There's five of you? Five of us. Okay. So now my three teenage boys and my husband, we all spent time in Cambodia. Oh, wow. And um, how, long ago did you, um, how long ago did you start with this? Oh, my first trip to Cambodia was in 2010. And how old were your kids then? My children, oh, now that's a tricky question. <laughs> yeah, I should be the guys that forget this. You know, people ask me how old your kids are and I'm like, yeah, my kids are in their early 20s. <laughs> so my oldest would have been 14 and my youngest would have been nine. So what's it like living in a developing country um, with your family, with a young family? It was great. It was a great experience. I think the kids actually adapt to those cultural differences a lot easier than we do. Okay. As yeah, adults. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Do they pick up any of the language? Do you pick up yeah, the language? Yeah. Yeah. Do you speak a bit so speak a bit of Cambodian? I do speak a little mm, bit of Cambodian. Very good. Yeah. Oh wow. There you Enough go. to get me around. What about you, Jane? Do you get to um do you ever get to get to travel overseas as part of your job and, and uh, check on Cherie and make sure she's doing the right thing? And all, you know, all I don't that? check on Cherie. I follow <laughs> Cherie around like a little okay. apprentice. <laughs> we did. We were very blessed. My husband and a teenage daughter and I were to go over to the Big Build in Cambodia in 2016. Oh, the Big Build. What's the, what's the Big Build? Uh, we're, a group of people get together, volunteers, and we have a definitive purpose. Either we you know, extend or build an existing um, building mm-hmm. that's overseas. Mm-hmm. In this case, we helped out at Cambodia at the Light of Hope School, um, Light of Hope Children's Village, and we helped out with setting up new um, teachers' quarters, setting up libraries, outdoor kitchens. So we really got to see a glimpse of what's happening over there and the great work that oh, was taking place. Fantastic. Amazing. Now, um, ICC is international, so how many different countries is ICC operating in? Four. 
Four different countries. Okay, what are those? Cambodia, mm-hmm. Sri Lanka, Thailand, and the Philippines. Okay. I thought ICC was involved in Africa as well. No? Okay. Not currently. Not currently. Okay. Previously. Previously, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And we also have another big build coming up in 2019 over in the Philippines. So a big build, is that kind of like a um, flying build kind of thing? It's like a flying build. So what's the difference between a flying build and a big build? Uh, well, we do a range of some smaller jobs perhaps than a, than a flying build. Uh-huh. So... We do some other things. So for our listeners that are listening in, I should just say that a fly and build is where a bunch of people get together and they fly to a location to build a project to in, in a developing country to um, to better the life of the of the people in that developing country. Okay, so with your big build, you do some small projects. We do some small projects as well. Yep. There might be some smaller renovation type projects. Um in the 2019 one, we have some fencing to do as, as well as some other renovations and it might be on more than one location. Well, I guess that makes it uh, more available to people of di- with different skill sets as well to have some smaller projects because I sort of, you, you look at the, the fly and build and it's like, well, if you're not a carpenter, um, mm. you know, what skill set are you going to bring to this one uh, mm, apart yeah. from just general labouring? But uh, it sounds yeah. like you've got a variety of things happening there. And it's we a big do. team as well. Okay, so, so this looking, is why it's called the Big Build. Yeah, it's a big team. we're looking at between 80 and 100 people. Oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> oh, this is why it's called the Big Build. That, that's seriously big. 80 to 100 yeah. people. So it's quite a buzz. The actual Big Build is, yeah, quite, creates quite a buzz just with that Yeah, that team. must have a massive impact on the local community. Mm. That's yeah. See, like a huge influx yeah. of... Uh, now, it, when people on the Big Build, are they all from Australia? Not all of them. No. Like you know, for the one that's coming up in 2019, we have residents from South Africa, New Zealand who have registered. They're ready to come, um, the US and Australia. Okay. Yeah. And oh. so, and we have a lot of different age groups in there. We have a lot of youth, um, young families, people with no skills, as you mentioned. So yep. it is a real big buzz. Yeah, oh, mm. fantastic. So have you actually uh, been on site one, uh, Cherie, when one of these big builds has uh, arrived? <laughs> She's managed them. Oh, yeah, you, you manage them? This managed, is your job. You yeah, manage them. I okay, managed all right. the Cambodian big build in 2016. Okay. So, yeah, that was my first big build experience and I was managing it. So, yeah. Where did you, where did you put all these people? Where, what did they sleep in? <laughs> um, a local guest house. We took okay. over the whole guest house, <laughs> including the basement and it's like a backpacker kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they had um, they filled in their car their car park area was where we ate breakfast and so yeah, so they adapt really well. Yeah, you yeah. say to a Cambodian people people, can you do that? They'll find a way. They'll just yeah, say yeah, yes, yeah. and then they'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and they get involved. We had mm. uh, graduates from the school who were translators and the locals integrate with the team so we all operate together oh wow yeah yeah that's awesome from transportation to yeah to building okay okay i'm just i'm just i'm just working through the logistics of having a uh i've worked on a fly and build team before and i'm just running through the logistics of dealing with a hundred people and thinking how on earth would i manage that okay so what how do you feed them um at the guest house, yeah. they fed them breakfasts, okay. and then at the children's village. So you, you village. paid the guest for the guest yeah. house. So they would have been rather busy. Yeah, is this the kind it. of thing that they normally do? No, with? not okay. not this size. Yeah, no, yeah. not this size. But when you're working in these, because this the majority of the big build was spent in a small rural village uh-huh. um, near our children's village, and yeah. so 
we have a really good relationship with them. They're almost sure. like family. Yep. And so, yeah, they just look after us so well. So they mm-hmm. did our breakfast and then we went to the children's village and then the locals and the mums cooked um, lunch and dinner for us mm-hmm. um, in like an outdoor kind of setting. So for two weeks, oh, how long did you say it ran for? Two weeks. Two weeks, yeah, for two weeks. Mm. So for two weeks, um, everybody gets to eat Cambodian food. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now tell us about the children that you're working with, International Children's Care, ICC. Uh, what kind of children are you dealing with there in uh, Cambodia? What's, the, what's their background? Why, okay. why, why are you working with these particular children? Okay, so if you understand the history of Cambodia, it's mm-hmm. come from a pretty um, sad civil war situation. Mm-hmm. So the incidents of genuine orphans in Cambodia still existing, um, although the number of genuine orphans is reducing year and year by year. Okay, so how long ago did the civil war end? Um, the civil war, the Khmer Rouge... Rain ended in 1979, but the country was still in civil war in the early 2000s. Yeah, that's right. That's what mm. I was. That was my memory was was it was going through the yeah. 2000s, and also you had a large um, landmine problem over yeah, there as well. Yeah, big landmine. So we actually have some orphans in our children's village whose parents died from sure the landmines. So and the poor people in the villages are still looking for landmines because they salvage the metal. And so, how do, you, that, how do you how, how do you recycle mm. a landmine? <laughs> yeah. You just what de, de, de arm, disarm them and then yeah. uh, sell, sell them out. So that's that's their income. They're looking for landmines and then they salvage the metal. Oh my goodness! So yeah, but that life, is that is with more and more involvement with organisations, the health of the Cambodian people is improving. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know, the education is improving so that um, people aren't abandoning their children so much. So, so just, 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 just catch it, stepping in, let me ask about that for a quick second. With the orphans that you're working with, obviously civil war is going to create orphans through violence and death. Mm. Um, that's ended probably, you know, going on 20 years ago now, so you're not going to have so much of that apart from landmine orphans. That's right. It's the you, health Okay. It's the health of so the so parents are dying. A lot of parents have died from illnesses, so like really preventable illnesses like um, hepatitis, um, malaria, dengue fever. A lot of people are die die mm-hmm. from that. Um, but even just in the time I've been working there, the access to health mm-hmm. is improving, and so that's improving as well. So, so do you see a time in the future where you will no longer be needed? No longer be needed for residential care. Right. So I sort of look at our children in two categories in Cambodia. So we have a residential care facility mm-hmm. for children. Yep. These are people, children who have no parents. Who are totally or destitute. No children, no parents, no grandparents, no aunties, uncles, nobody who can care for them. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would call residential care children. And then we have children in our communities. Right. Um, who might be widowed mums, who might be mums with HIV with no way of earning an income, mm-hmm. who might be a family who just because of poor circumstances have found themselves in extreme debt um, and they just need a bit of a hand. Sure, sure. Um, so that hand might look like giving mum some sort of employment. Mm-hmm. It might look like giving them a microfinance loan. Um, it might look like giving their kids education. Yep. So, so I see residential care phasing out 
and our community development scaling up. Certainly. And um, you're talking about um, disease and preventable diseases. Is uh, You mentioned HIV. Is AIDS, um, HIV, that kind of thing, a big issue in Cambodia? It is a big we, issue. we often hear about, you know, um, I guess this is a part of Asia that is renowned for um, sex slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thailand is, you know, legendary for it. Does Cambodia have a similar kind of situation? Yes, very definitely, yeah. And that's where education, so working in these communities and actually just talking to people um, about the diseases, about the risks that they face, about the risks their children face, Mm -hmm. that's all part of what we like to focus on with our community development. Now, it seems, in you know, stories are coming out of Thailand, and I guess, you know, that's mostly what we hear about. Uh, And is there a reason why we hear more about Thailand than Cambodia then? Um, as far as you know, sex slavery and this kind of thing goes, because you hear these stories in Thailand where you've got destitute parents and they, they, they their children get promises of wealth if they. It's the same in Cambodia. It's the same thing. It's exactly the same. Why do we hear about Thailand rather than Cambodia? Maybe Thailand has more of a voice. Maybe mm-hmm. there's more of a Western presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the same across quite a clump of those countries in Southeast Asia. Mm. Yep. What's the uh, education is the answer to education? Solve? Yeah, I love the work that ICC do in that when our children finish studying at grade twelve, they're given a scholarship to study as um, a university student. Mm-hmm. So we've got students who have graduated as doctors and nurses and civil engineers and dentists, and That's we've fantastic. got theology students studying at APIU in Thailand. Yeah. And then okay, they so come the, back yeah. and work uh-huh. at, the, at the centre, and I just I love that full circle. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Now this is a Christian institution. Um, are the children that are coming through? Are they what kind of a religious background are they coming from? Buddhist. Okay, exclusively. Pretty much, yes. What's the level of Christianity in uh, Ooh, Cambodia? Maybe less than five percent. Uh huh. Mm. And. Um, you have the opportunity to share Christ. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And our kids have a really, their kids have a really strong faith, really, really strong faith. Like it's just lovely speaking to the uni students and seeing that faith continuing even after they've left the centre. Sure. Especially as they find themselves on their own and more independent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic, and and obviously then able to um, take the message of the gospel to their own people mm-hmm. in their own language yeah. and their own culture, which is so and much their better own than families. Yeah. Yeah, and you can yeah. see them reading the Sabbath school lesson in their own language. Well, that's fantastic. It's been so good to have you on here. Thank you. We really us. appreciate your time. We are going to get details and put up on our Facebook so that people can uh, um, can contribute to what you're doing there. And uh, but stay tuned, everybody. We're going to be back right after this break with more great programming and more details to come about ICC. Have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you've shown? 
Lord, help me, Jesus, I've wasted it, so help me, Jesus, I know what I souls in your hands drive me lord if you think there's a way i can try to repay all i've taken from you maybe lord i can show someone else what I've been through myself On my way back to you Lord, help me, Jesus I've wasted it So help me, Jesus I know what I done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real, and real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called in the care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
Savior, I call. 